pricing needs to match a lot of things. I think pricing needs to match the evolution of your company and what you're trying to do from a strategy standpoint. If you were a you know smaller startup and you're trying to grow and there are incumbents in the marketplace, which is where Audit Board was for a while, I think you use pricing as a weapon to be scrappy to change the world. In fact, that's exactly what Audubord did well before my time. They came in with an innovative pricing structure that caught a lot of people's attention, alleviated pains that folks had with existing solutions out there. And through that genius move, probably helped with our growth rate a few points. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello. And welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by Kenny Hsu, who is the VP of Revenue Operations at Audit Board. I am extremely excited about this discussion. Kenny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I actually want to kick off the, the interview in a slightly different way. I want to kick it off with a LinkedIn post. Um, that is listed on your profile, Kenny. It's sure. about the concept of uh, reps making quota. And yes. so I'm not going to share the, the post because um, I think it'd be great if you could just it, share with the audience your point of view with this LinkedIn post. Yeah. I, um, one of the, the questions or topics that have come up the most among sales operations, revenue operations, frankly, CROs, CEOs, VCs, is what percentage of your reps hit quota? Uh, and I've always found it to be an interesting uh, discussion because inevitably there is a number that gets thrown out, whether it be 50%, 60%, 70%. But then there is zero context <laughs> uh, around, around, the, uh, around the number itself. Right, and so what gets told to sales teams um, and, and sales leadership teams are fifty to seventy percent uh, of your reps should be making your number. That is the best practice. Um, but yet, you know, when I talk to uh, folks in the industry, my friends, and I look around, I was like, who are these people that are hitting fifty, seventy percent? Uh, and inevitably, there there are a few people who are like, oh yeah, there's somebody over there. Uh, that's making it. And then I'd go to call that person who were like, well, yeah, if you kind of tilt your head this way, squint in one eye and ignore all these other outliers, yeah, we're 50 to 70%. Uh, and it's all great and fine. But to me, 
uh, it actually is the is the wrong question uh, because uh, of course you know if you're thinking about what percentage of your reps quota, if you want to improve that number, the easiest thing for you to do is just drop your quotas, right? And with that, and not doing anything else, you would you could have a hundred more than or not more, but you could have a hundred percent of your reps hit quotas if you want. So, um, not that I'm going to presume the to say that I that there's the perfect answer out there, but I do find the discussion uh, oftentimes lacking in context, um, and and so therefore we actually lack the substance substantive points that we need to talk about, which is at the, at the end of the day, for those of us uh, in operations, for those of us in the sales leadership, it is how do we help our teammates uh, become more productive. And this just leads really nicely into my next question, um, the difference between operations and leadership within sales, because according from my research, it seems like you actually moved into like a formal ops role in around yes. 2018. Um, yes. So there's there's been an extensive career beforehand in sales leadership. Um, yes. I want to ask why at that point did you feel like it was the time to to take on a formal ops role? It's a great question. Um, and to the, by 2018, I've been in enterprise SaaS for about three to four years. Have gone through two transactions, an IPO and an acquisition, uh, and in different roles. Um, but I, uh, but my experience taught me two main things. Uh, one was that, which was that, uh, especially once a company has reached product market fit, like that is undeniable. The thing that separates good companies and great companies is go to market. Um, so that's number one. Um, number two is it turns out I actually really like go to market. And so whatever role I had, whether it be a GM of a vertical, um, uh, you know, whether it be in finance or, you know, I was the CFO of a company that got acquired. Um, I always inevitably spend most of my time on go-to-market uh, issues. And so it was actually a, a, it's a great question because it was a, uh, it was a lot through a lot of self reflection and talking to mentors of mine. Um, you know, there, we, I was offered like, hey, maybe you can go be the CFO of another small company. Uh, that would be one bet. Um, but the bet I wanted to make was, hey, if I uh, spent a hundred percent of my time uh, in the go to market role, uh, doing nothing all day but thinking about, uh, talking about, and then executing on go to market issues. Uh, that um, you know that, that uh, everything else will take care of itself, and I would have a lot of fun. And uh, uh, knock on wood, so far it's been uh, it's been the right move for for me personally. I'm sensing some uh, some strong self awareness here, Kenny. The the other thing as well is that surely your relationship with the finance team at Audit Board is probably on point because you know exactly what they want to see, how they work, etc. It ha everywhere I've been actually, it's been um, it's been one of the key relationships, um, uh, operations and finance. And I would actually put HR uh, in that boat as well. Uh, and uh, so I like to you know say to all of my teammates, if you put kind of ops, HR, and finance together. And you think about the things that each of those groups are responsible for and would work together on. Like one group can't go too far ahead of the other groups without talking to them, without uh, uh, being completely in sync. Right? Just as a very simple example, um, if 
HR is doing performance review, like immediately ops need to be there to provide the data, help set up the program, uh, right? Uh, and ops probably also have a lot of context around the performance. You know, and then you know, whenever you're done with financial or uh, uh, with uh, performance uh, reviews, you know, the finance team's always right there with you know the financial implications uh, of all of the discussions and various decisions that you would make. So, um, in fact, uh, we uh, at Audit Board, and I've been doing this almost at every company I've been at. Uh, I uh, we have a weekly team meeting uh, with revenue uh, with our revenue operations group. Um, and uh, operations and finance are a part of it. They're invited every week, uh, and actually most weeks they show up uh, because they find value in just hearing what's going on within sales and also, you know, uh, communicating with the rest of the team. Here's what's what else uh, that they're working on that would have an implication uh, for the operations group and for the sales team. Got it. And again, this ties in nicely to my next question: the role that you're currently in is VP of RevOps. The yes. previous sales ops role was in a sales ops function, I believe. When you That's right. when you joined Audit Board, was that was the RevOps function set up, or is that something that you have formed or combined since you joined? So we're still at the beginning stages of the journey uh, here at Audit Board, uh, but that is uh, the, for sure the vision. And and I I always say to people, you can call you can call me whatever you want, <laughs> put whatever title. Uh, in front of me, that's okay. That's just kind of words on a page. Uh, but at the end of the day, just like between operations, uh, finance, and HR, the same could be said about your go-to-market teams, right? Sales, um, marketing, and customer success, none of them can get too far uh, without the other. Uh, a per- another perfect example would be segmentation. If everyone, if each one of those teams have their own segmentation, like you're not exactly aligned. Um, and so, whether it's RevOps or it's sales ops, I've always found myself, um, you know, working with uh, members of the different go-to-market teams uh, coming together. Uh, but I do, um, I do see this as a very useful uh, trend to have the operations team of those uh, groups coming together. Um, I, I think the question for all of us in this uh, RevOps uh, uh, evolution, if you will, is how are we going to do it? Because I do think there are, um, I've, I see people doing different things um, and I, I am you know, genuinely curious which one's going to work out uh, better. Sure. Since you, because it's been about three months at Audit Board, what would you say has been your biggest focus so far? Uh, so we are, so our company, uh, I feel like the luckiest person in the world because I've joined a company that's doing extremely, extremely well. Um, the founders and the management team have created a product that is um, uh, in heavy, heavy demand. Um, so I am, uh, uh, so everything else that I work on just seems like a, a, a dream and a pleasure because we're, uh, we're working on demand. We're trying to figure out um, how to, mo- uh, what is the most optimal way to, uh, to sort through the demand. We're making sure that, um, you know, whenever we do get the chance and the privilege to get to a late stage conversation that we are uh, protecting the value uh, that we are providing to our customers and would-be customers um, and making sure kind of out of board gets the right fair share of it through pricing and, and other discussions. Um, and there's a lot of also, you know, 
good old operations build, um, you know, making sure that within Salesforce, our forecast categories are set up, our stages are going to be set up. So we're at a stage where we're, you know, uh, call it uh, close somewhere between 60, 75, 70, 80 million dollars in revenue. Um, clear momentum, clear signs that we're going to be breaking through 100. Uh, in no time and 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 beyond, uh, and you know we're using uh, I myself am using kind of that air cover of uh, tremendous business success um, to uh, as air cover to just get some of the uh, foundational things in place so that as we scale, uh, we're scaling it in a repeatable way. So much wisdom in the answer. That's like three things I think I really liked. First, you were saying that. <laughs> You're like sorting through the demand, which I think maybe that's not wisdom. That's just an incredibly awesome place to be in. The second was about how you are trying to make the pricing right. So the value that you guys create, you capture a fair amount of that, which I think is awesome. And then the um, final thing you said just then that I can't quite remember, but that was an awesome answer, Kenny. Like really, really um, deep insights to that question. Um, yeah. To, um, oh, yeah. The final part was you using uh, this growth of almost like air cover to get the ops foundations. That makes total sense. Yeah, um, I mean, we're we're doing forecasting, uh, making sure that our forecast is right. But you know, if the business is going well, you 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 spend less time worrying about like you know how are we going to be doing this quarter. But we you spend more time thinking about what do we need to build now so that we can continue to have this success and momentum going forward. It's a great place to be. <laughs> Roughly, um, how many, just quickly for the audience to benefit, roughly how many reps and how many people in the RevOps team at the moment? Yeah, so we're, we're growing very rapidly. Uh, so uh, but I can give you some rough ranges of numbers. Uh, we're probably going to close out the year close to 40 reps um, uh, and growing. Uh, and uh, that's just in the U.S. and Canada, by the way. And um, and you know, we're it's going to be inevitable that we will have international expansion um, beyond soon as well. Uh, on the RevOps side, that that is also uh, in flux. And uh, you know, currently we have four members uh, on the team, uh, wonderful members on the team. Uh, and I, I suspect that that number will grow. Um, I think the the interesting discussion now internally is: Do we uh, invest ahead a little bit uh, on the operation side to uh, get the foundations in place ahead of all these wonderful uh, uh, and soon to be very productive reps uh, start to join us? Uh, so that's the discussion we're having internally right now, uh, and I think the answer is going to be: Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll invest ahead. Amazing. And final question for me, who in the world of sales or RevOps would you most like to take for lunch? Uh, you know, I uh, never met him, but I've met um, uh, folks that have worked with him uh, for a very long time. And, and, and so indirectly, he's had a huge uh, impact on my career and my uh, passion for go-to-market. Uh, but uh, John McMahon from uh, PTC and a whole bunch of different companies, I'm sure you've heard of him. Uh, I'd love to uh, you know, sit down with him for lunch. And, and, and uh, uh, he recently uh, wrote a book uh, called The Qualified Sales Leader, uh, which I'm almost done with. Uh, and it's uh, it, it's been uh, it, it honestly feels like coming home. <laughs> Reading through, it's like yes, this is the way the world should be. Uh, this is the this is the end state we'd like to get our um, uh, our our sales team to be at. And so uh, that would be uh, that would be a fun lunch for me. So I actually haven't heard of him. So we we will maybe try and get John on the show. Um, that's amazing, Kenny. 
I'm going to hand over to my wonderful co-host now, who's going to ask some more sales slash RevOps specific questions. Alex, welcome. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Kenny. That was um, really, really interesting. Um, I think I was scribbling notes too fast to to type <laughs> up what I actually wanted to ask as questions. So um, <laughs> you, you uh, <laughs> it might not be as um, it might not flow quite as well as, as Tom's questions, but there were certainly a number of areas really interested to dive in and get a bit more more detail. So no particular order, but one of the things that really, I think, stood out was quite interesting to me was the getting, you know, and Tom highlighted as well, was getting the pricing right. So again, so you capture the value that you're, you're creating as a business. Now, obviously that's counted against, as you almost talked about at the start, about quota, and I need to hit quota. And if you only give me another percentage to take off that, I might get, you might get this deal across the line. And those inevitable pressures, from, you know, to, to reduce the price to, to close the deal. I just wondered if, if you had any tips from, from your experience of really trying to help guide the, the reps into, into getting the right value. I think um, pricing needs to match a lot of things. I think pricing needs to match the evolution of your company and what you're trying to do from a strategy standpoint. If you were a you know smaller startup, um, and you're trying to grow, and there are incumbents uh, in the marketplace, uh, which is where Audit Board was for for a while. Um, I think you use pricing as a weapon to be scrappy to change the world. In fact, um, that's exactly what Audit Board did well before my time. Uh, they came in with an innovative uh, pricing structure that caught a lot of people's attention, uh, alleviated pains that uh, folks had with uh, existing uh, uh, solutions out there. Um, and through that genius move, probably, you know, uh, helped uh, with our growth rate a few points. Um, and as you, you know, if you're uh, on the other end of the spectrum, if you're pretty well established, if you're a clear leader, uh, and if, you know, it's fairly easy for, um, your company to distinguish yourself from the rest of the competitors. Therefore, you're not as much of a commodity play. Um, I do think there is room for you to then say, hey, um, we we deserve, like, look at all this value we're delivering. Um, uh, we deserve, like, uh, we deserve to have a bigger uh, slice of the pie. Now, how you go about doing it is uh, uh, there's some science to it, but I would argue it's an art onto, all unto itself. Uh, and I think my biggest learning has been that if you're if that two ends of the spectrum uh, happens to describe your company's evolution over time, where you started out, out as a scrappy startup, you know, trying to take on the world, and now all of a sudden you're finding yourself in the top right quadrant of you know whatever uh, analyst reports uh, and G two reviews uh, are out there. Um, I think um, you know getting the strategy right, getting the structure right. That's maybe 20% um, of the challenge. The other 80% um, is going to come right down to execution. When your rep is sitting across uh, from another, um, from another, uh, from the buyer, uh, and they are they've established value, they've uh, you know more or less won the deal. It's now just down to negotiation. How does he or she have that conversation? Do they talk about pricing in a confident way, or do they kind of rely and fall back on some of the behavior? That you know, admittedly, has gotten the company to this point, right? So those are not necessarily poor behavior, but you know, to, for for the company to continue to grow uh, and achieve uh, full scale, uh, you, you may need to uh, you know uh, 
put the put the training and the coaching in place to make sure that people go into those conversations with the right mindset and the right level of confidence. Thanks. That that was really helpful. Yeah, a lot of good insight there on yeah on tying at the strategy your yeah your pricing strategy to, to where you are as a business and and also a really good way of seeing it in terms of the reps performance on on that area it's, it's, it's going to be based heavily on what we've been doing in the past and therefore the, the emphasis on training rather than you know feeling that it's it's it's, uh, it's a failing yeah um amazing that was r- really helpful the other thing um that i also was thought was quite interesting so anything we've um talked about before was um in terms of growing a team which we have talked about but but you, you put it nicely as you know question do we invest ahead um and i imagine if you're sitting in the in the in the ops world, you're always going to want to say yes to that answer, and therefore, you know, and the, yeah, the sales manager is probably going to want to invest in, in in his team. So, how how do you um, or her team, of course, how do you how do you think you could best put forward that case for the, the investor head? Where and, and when should you? Because again, sometimes probably you shouldn't. So, how would you give some advice around that? I think um, uh, it's an interesting question because I I know this is a um, a big thing. For, um, for for all of us who are in the operations world. Um, I will say the first thing, that uh, the, the first part of my answer actually doesn't directly address your question, but I think it's critically important, uh, which is that you, you've got to pick the right part, business partner. Um, uh, in my case, it was the CRO, uh, and Tom Schmidt is our CRO here at Audubord, um, and Scott Arnold, our CEO as well, right? Like, Believe me, I, I had lot, as I was deciding to come to audit board, I had lots of conversations uh, with them. Nothing like I didn't do the hey, I'm not going to come unless you approve this budget type of thing. Uh, but it was more like hey, help me understand why this role is important to you. Uh, you know why are you reaching out to me? Um, and 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 you know I was one of Tom's early hires, um, and so help me understand why the, that is a priority uh, for 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 you. Um, so really, kind of get them talking, almost get them to commit to you that like no operations is important, right? So that's the first part. The second part is then I feel like. You do. You have to do. You have to kind of prove it, <laughs> prove the, the the reason why you need to invest ahead, and that's through two things. One is, um, uh, first of all, just doing good work uh, and making a quick impact. Uh, you know, whether you just started your job or you've been at your job for a while. Like, um, uh, you know, I I used to work for a CFO who says, "Hey, we have zero budget." For expenses, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, we spend money everywhere. It's like, no, we have zero, but we have zero dollar budget for expenses, but uh, but we have an unlimited amount of budget uh, for investments. Uh, and I think the point he was really making is every like every company, every CFO, every CEO, every CRO wants to know that every dollar that they're they're investing in um, is generating a multiple return. Um, and so you gotta you gotta show that. By a proving it through the work that you're doing day to day with your team, um, and then secondly by painting a picture of like, hey, here's where we're going. Um, here are all the things that need to fall into place before um, I uh, before we can get there. Before all these reps uh, can show up, and we can make sure that they're successful. Um, and you know, uh, and then when you then look at the book of work, when you look at the roadmap. Um, you then say, yeah, okay, uh, do we have the right team? Like, yes, this is what we need to do. Uh, and then you say, hey, do we have 
uh, either the right team or the right size team um, to go and make that happen. Uh, and I think, um, you know, when I've had the conversation that way, um, it's been it's been really productive and honestly really fun uh, to do. Uh, when you know things get a little late, um, and it wasn't budgeted, but people are drowning, and you're like, "Hey, we really need one or two more people." Um, look, some like there are times the you know uh, the company will come through, right? Uh, but I, I find that that is a harder conversation to have than the one up ahead, where you know it's been it's been planful, it's purposeful, uh, and it's done with a vision in mind. Yeah, no, I think yeah, that's really, really helpful. And the, the idea, yeah, laying out the path so that when if, if you did start to become underwhelmed because your recommendations haven't been taken to board, it's clear that that previous conversation was right and that the course correction rather than, yeah, things are slipping. And I think yeah. that, that's, yeah, that's really helpful. And just um, a really I guess, good advice for the other thing you were talking about, which is sort of, you know, managing different, different teams, whether that's across the go-to-market teams or, as you said, around operations with finance and HR or really any business, just you know, making clear your what you're adding and, and your, your plan and, and why you're asking for what you are and putting that forward. Last thing to say, and you may have to make up the question off the back of it, um, but I really like what you just said, you know, the title, uh, title is just words on a page. Um, and and we, we have a fair bit of discussion on, on the show about, you know, sort of revenue ops and sales ops and, you know, differences and other bits. Um, but I just thought that was a really helpful thing to say that actually whatever your title, whatever the teams that report into you or whoever you report into you're obviously part of a bigger play and it and and you can work collaboratively with with people outside of a formal structure and that to me just seemed a really good way of doing that and i i just wondered if you had given that was your observation any any sort of suggestions around how you've sort of actualized that in your career yeah i've got i've got two things one is um Listen, nope, I, I'm willing to bet for, for all of your listeners out there. I'm willing to bet that if you, whatever job you have, right, um, whether you're in sales ops or marketing ops or CS ops or somewhere in between, if you've got a group of people together um, that's across the go-to-market uh, to talk through important topics, to work together to achieve something, I am willing to bet that nobody's going to stop you. Right. And, and, and so my, my encouragement to everybody is just start doing it. Right. If you see a need, just get people together. Don't worry about organizational lines too much. Uh, and just, you know, getting together and solving problems. And over time, it will become inevitable that people will see, Hey, that is like we, we, we really need all three arms of the, uh, uh, of the go to market engine, um, to be working together, uh, or all three components of the, the go to market uh, engine to be working together. And I think operations can really lead the way. Um, on the flip side, for those who are like making the journey, uh, I do have a, a, a word of caution, which is, you know, just, cobbling a marketing ops team, a sales ops team, and a CS ops team together under one leader does not a revenue operations team make. Um, and so, uh, and, and I don't, uh, and if that happens to be your situation, that this is not a criticism of sort I know many of you probably got put uh, into that situation, but uh, I think my, my encouragement and honestly a challenge to all of us in, in, in this field is to figure out what is the right mix of like, okay, there should be one group of people taking care of data system and tools, 
across all <laughs> across the entirety of go to market, and that actually should be a sub team. And I I would I would argue that the more of these types of functions that we can put together that spans across. Um, I think the more value revenue operations is going to provide. Because again, if you're just putting groups of people who weren't reporting to one person together under one person, um, I would argue that all you've created is a bureaucratic layer. Uh, and again, it's fine if you find yourself in that situation, but then I think it has been a comfort upon you to figure out, okay, how do I make the best of this? Um, and actually don't have the silo um, be operated or, or manifested through the team structure that you currently have. Brilliant. Thank you. Amazing. Kenny, so many insights in such a short time. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with the audience. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.